the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Mark Hahn for Pacific Private Money. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given during the way this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is general trivia. Now, we have an absolute special guest on today, best-selling author and financial advisor, and one of the original Best of Investing co-hosts way back in 2010, Uh-oh. the guy who got me into radio, Ken Winans. Ken, welcome. Hey, hey I'm forgetting. Here, hang on. Don't we need to put these on? Yeah, the Are mask. Right? Yeah, put the mask yeah, on, on, on Zoom, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Zoom. Let's put on masks. We got the old team back again. This is I know. Isn't that good? This is great. Yeah, I think we're 10 years older, but we look 10 years younger. I was going to say, we've, we've aged just a little bit, and well, I put on a few filter, pounds. If filter on, if you have the Zoom filter on, it makes you look younger. So, Or, or the one that makes me look like a cat, right? Let me tell you guys something. Judge, we're like wine. We get better with age, right? Uh, thank you very much. You tell my wife that, please. <laughs> okay. So, Ken, uh, what have you been up to these last so many years? You've, you've, I know you've written books, and, and you've, you've, you've had these blogs and lessons from the commodity pits to just fill us all in well a couple of things so first off i i do write a regular uh contributing column for forbes.com that's been my number one thing and i'd encourage everybody to read them they forbes asked me to do it because of the history books that you just talked about i i have i've written uh, four award-winning books and what's really funny you guys will love this there was a big spike in sales of a book i wrote four or five years ago why because i actually talked about pandemics five or six years ago in my book. Wow. And yes, we have had this happen before. This is not new. There was a little thing called the Spanish flu yeah. that probably your great-grandparents or grandparents had gone through. Or, and yeah, it, it's sad to say, and the government is doing largely the same things they did before, and we could all have a discussion on that. But no, that's, and then of course, running one is investments, and we've been growing, and uh, knock on wood, uh, in our business, uh, the Morningstar, which is one of the, the rating agencies that rates performance of money managers, uh, as I tell my friends in Hollywood, this is like the Oscars you know, <laughs> on, on being picked. So knock on wood, Morningstar has given uh, uh, four of our five strategies five-star rankings. So I'm thrilled. We're, we're really been buzzing along. 
Well, Ken, we really missed having you uh, as a uh, partner on the show. You know, the first few years when it was the three of us, you know, we had a pretty good balance between real estate uh, and traditional investment stocks and other things. And, and so we've gone pretty heavy on the real estate side between Edward and I and uh, other other co-hosts, uh, Nam Phan and Patty Cohn, you know, realtors. So we've really, it's become more of a real estate show. But what's really great today is we can really talk more about what's happening in, in the equities markets and maybe even the cryptocurrency but I got, I got to admit to you, Ken, um, you know, we, we tend to spend uh, our December and January shows uh, every year predicting what we think is going to happen in the year ahead in both the real estate markets and, and even the stock markets, even though neither Edward or I are really experts in the stock markets. But I have to tell you, the last three years in a row, I have predicted that the stock market would underperform. And I've been really, really wrong uh, every, <laughs> every year. So, uh, <laughs> Mark, I'll tell you what. Your your firm is a genius at what it does, and God knows Edward's great at what he does. And so I think, yeah, yeah, it'll be like me trying to guess what mortgage mortgage rates are going to be at the end of the year. I'm the wrong guy to ask, you know. Yeah. So what, guys? You know, I was going to say this though. You know, I'm really glad you did have me on because we're in some really interesting times right now. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about COVID, but there's some very strong historical comparisons that I think most people need to start looking at. Because it does involve real estate. It certainly involves what's going to happen with interest rates and, yeah. I, and I dare say, inflation. We have to start seriously having discussions yeah. about what that does to loan portfolios, what that does to hiring and firing employees, uh, materials costs when you're, when you're going to do a refi in your house. There's yeah. a lot of stuff we really have to get into that we haven't had to worry about since we were all teenagers. Hmm. Well, that's right. I mean, when, when Edward and I first got into the business, I think we both started in business right around 1982. I remember my very first spreadsheet, uh, which was a, a, a five-year pro forma on a piece of real estate. Uh, I used uh, 12% as my CPI rate yeah. for annual inflation of rents. And, yeah. and the attorney who reviewed it said, yep, looks good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, still, I still remember uh, putting money in a money market account at 16%. Yeah. And I was at a bank. Yeah. And yeah right. And, and, it's, and, it's, and then, and then suddenly it was like, I started looking and the, like the long-term treasury was like at, you know, 12. And I'm thinking, why would anyone invest at 12 long-term when you could put it in short term at six, 16? Little did I know that was an indication that interest rates were going to drop. Yeah. I'll tell you guys something funny. I just talked to somebody in, in an HR firm the other day, because uh, it, it deals with a 401k plan we're dealing with. And I mentioned COLA and they didn't know what I was talking about. Oh, I I about Coca-Cola. no. Wow. A-O-L-A. <laughs> but no, we're, you know, and I, I hope I'm wrong on this, but, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll lay out, uh, it's one of my Forbes articles, but I really think, again, it's an example where history can really help investors, whether it's real estate, whether it's mortgages, whether it's stocks or corporate bonds or whatever. But I do think people have, and it's, again, it's not just, COVID, it's not COVID, but it's what COVID did to the economy, and it's also what the government's doing in reaction to it. So, yeah. um, and you know, guys, I'll just throw this out. You know, one of the things I've been telling people when I talk to them, I say, you know, the only bad thing about what we're going to be going through, at least in the 70s, we had really good dance music. We don't have that today. Um, you know, and let's say the styles are not quite as, as interesting as they were back then either. But, you know, um, I, I think a couple of things that I would throw out. And look, historical comparisons are always a bit dicey, and I love it that people in academia like to beat me up on it, but just follow me on this. So, 
COVID basically was a jolt to the global economy. We all know that. It just brought everything to the halt. And people all jumped back to the Spanish flu from, you know, yeah. 1919. Wrong comparison. What we should be comparing it to is the Arab oil embargo. Uh-huh. Arab oil embargo in the 1970s, yep. overnight oil quadrupled overnight. Yes. It the whole world into a, a shutdown. It permanently changed things. We also, the other parts that are interesting, at that point in time, we had just come off a very expensive war called Vietnam. Vietnam, yeah. What did we hey, can, come hold, off of here? Hold, hold on. Just so we have to cut to a quick hard, hard break here. Okay. Uh, we're going to continue on with that. All right. Here's our first trivia question. Who was the messenger of the Roman gods? All right. Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Homp and our special guest, Ken Winans. Uh, first trivia question, who was the messenger of the Roman gods? Anyone? Mm. Um, I usually know my mythology. A, right, doesn't it? Uh, no, Mercury. Mer- oh. You remember, like the florist Mercury? Yeah, the messenger gods. Okay. All right. Uh, Ken, before we cut to break, yeah, you were talking about uh, how we should compare this more to like the oil embargo of the 1970s rather than the Spanish flu. Absolutely. Go ahead. What, what, why? Uh, make more well, comparison. Why? Well, I, I was commenting that, you know, back then we, we had the debt hangover from the guns and butter era of the 1960s, of which with Vietnam. Yeah. And it's ironic when you look at it in, in dollar terms, it, it pales in comparison today. But sure. we, we just came off of a very expensive war in the Middle East. At, at, I think it was two and a half trillion dollars spent mm. between Iraq and Afghanistan. So we have that debt. Then you throw on top of it. Uh, you know, very loose monetary policies, which is what they did back then to try to goose the economy along. They also, you know, the terms that were used back then, jobless recovery, stagflation, you guys all remember it. We all had these phrases. You know, you're now looking at that now that we're we're hiring or we think the economy is going to come back on full steam. But then I I just, you know, like today, the the, the number of people filing for unemployment still at 700,000 a month. So I just you see these kind of things happening. Then you then you throw on top of it, and we all know this to be the case. Uh, anybody who's gone grocery shopping lately, go look at what bread, milk, butter, fruit, vegetables, meat. Gasoline. I love that the government says there's no inflation. I have news for you. Uh, they need to go shopping. Yeah. But so when real estate prices nationwide are up 15 percent year over year, exactly. gas is gone from $3 a gallon to $4 Mark, a gallon. Yeah. And just as you said, you know, anybody who goes shopping knows there's inflation. So we're all scratching our head going, where is it 2%? Yeah. I'd love to, I would love 2% inflation if it were real. Yeah. So I, yeah, the CPI index is calculated in a way that it, using math that I don't understand. <laughs> well, and then on top of it, I think there, Mark, I agree with you. And I'd also add it. There's a lag to it. There's a real lag because if you go yeah. back to the seventies, they use a lot of the same statistics and the same thing. They lagged early in the cycle, but yeah. then last but not least, and something that none of us really want to talk about, but the last time we had a 40% capital gains tax in this country was during the Carter years in the seventies. So, again, the idea of raising taxes to pay for uh, the government debt 
we've tried all this stuff before. It yeah. doesn't work. It will not work. <laughs> no, it's, I think a lot of it is just strictly political. It's like, yeah, stick it to the big boys, you know, get the votes rather than, oh, you know. Well, they, how, do they, how do they define the big boys? So those of us who live in California, particularly in the San Francisco Bay Area, $400,000 a year. I'm sorry, you're not a big boy. No, you but to the not. but to the rest of the country, you know, we are. And, and the thing is, yeah, it plays well in Peoria. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it just yeah. it still reminds me there was a, a liberal uh, senator one time who basically said, I don't care if it destroys the economy as long as the rich pay taxes. And it's like, that's no, don't think that way. Think of yeah. if you lower the capital gains tax rate, you're going to. Uh, there's going to be so much money pouring in for transaction costs and the taxes that get paid. You know, if you're a, a J. Paul Getty, so to speak, or if you're Mark Zuckerberg, right, rich guy, it's like, why would you want to sell an asset and pay 20 or 40 percent tax? You're just not going to do it. Well, it's hard to explain to the 50 percent of the people who don't pay taxes why lower capital gains tax taxes are actually better for the economy. So that's, that's part of the problem. And they're the ones yeah. that, that, you know, vote in the Democrats. Uh, yeah. And they're thinking about getting rid of uh, 1031 exchange. They've been talking about that for a while and all that's going to do the trickle. That is a real trickle down effect. Look at all the people who are going to be losing their job or just the, the uh, gross national product that'll go down because of the lack of being able to, to have those transactions. Well, guys, we're looking at it. I mean, they're talking about a stock transaction tax. We haven't had that since the 50s. Hmm. Uh, again, these these ideas, and look, we understand that, look, whether it's California, uh, I mean, we're awash in debt right now. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's kind of funny that no one talks anymore about the student loan bomb. Right. Uh, that's a big yeah. problem right now. I mean, uh, you know, we when you start looking at all of it, when you add it up, it's it's a massive number. It will never be paid off. It will never ever ever be paid off. Do, do, do you do you remember when they put they were thinking about taxing emails? They were they were thinking oh, about every you know putting a little tax on every email you sent. I think that was a spam email, Edward. I don't think that was ever. <laughs> no, that was something that the Congress was thinking about. But you know, I look at something like that and I think uh, you know it's kind of a redistribution of wealth. It's really what it is. You know, uh, well, and, you know, I know it's it's a prickly topic, but I'll add to what you just said. I mean, you know, this idea, look, look, when you have crisis, you have to take steps to try to keep things going. Sure. What I don't understand was why they did not when we were dealing with how, how do you help with the jolt? Why not just extend unemployment benefits? Why did you guys have to invent a whole new program, whole new things? You know, why not just take yeah. the existing apparatuses and just work within them? Same thing now. I wonder what's going to happen when these $1,400 checks suddenly stop coming and we yeah. don't have people back to full employment. I, I couldn't believe it in Marin County that they were hitting restauranters with a, a dollar a per hour increase in, in uh, you know, wages at, right at the middle of COVID. Yeah. You know, and I remember yeah. telling one of the local politicians, what you've just done is you've doomed one of the most affluent places on planet Earth to have nothing but chain restaurants. That's what you've done. Yeah. If that's Interesting. what you want, that's what you're going to get. Well, and, yeah. you, and you mentioned yeah. earlier how a jobless recovery was part of what we were uh, describing uh, back in the in, in the late '70s, and and uh, you know you read today that they're predicting that you know Q2 and three are going to be on fire, but you know it is a very unequally distributed recovery. Uh, uh, yep. And it really is unfortunate. And, and, and maybe that is the way it is in many, if not most recoveries, but it sure feels more severe this time around. 
I agree, Mark. Well, I have an office in Las Vegas as well. And I, and I, I remember going to Vegas in 2008 when it was in the middle of its real estate disaster. Yeah. And I remember going to, I, I happen to stay at the Four Seasons on there because it's off the strip and it's, I, it's a good business hotel. And I went there in October and it was dead, completely dead. And that, it was never that bad in 2008. So this is a severe thing. And although the Vegas market is on fire right now because of all these Californians moving to Las Vegas, yeah. um, there are going to be these shifts. And, you know, this is now the, the, where there are some differences, and this is important. There was a massive relocation of labor throughout the 1970s. There were a lot of people who worked in the Rust Belt who moved to Texas because of the oil industry. Oh, yeah. We have that same thing happening now, but it's a little different because now it's remote working. When you're now going to tell employees, you can now work for this company, but you don't have to live in California anymore if you don't want to pay these taxes. You can live in Nevada now. And, and then, but they're also going to alter the pay. Oh, well, you, you don't live in California, so now you're working for us. You're not going to make 60 bucks an hour. You're going to make $40 an hour. So, Ken, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about what's happening in the stock market. Yes, definitely want to do that. All right, here's our second trivia question. Where was the Caesar salad invented? Uh Call 888-912-1190. First caller with correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Want to make a quick mention here for Mountain Mike's Pizza in San Rafael. Pizza the way it ought to be. Check them out. Mountain Mike's Pizza in San Rafael. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Mark Honf and our special guest, Ken Winans. Uh, Gentlemen, where was the Caesar salad invented? Mexico. That's right. Tijuana, Mexico. Very good. Right. Good guess. I'm sure you didn't know that one. All right. Um, I'm the restaurant that claims they invented it. That's oh, is that right? <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Mark, you wanted to ask uh, Ken about the stock market. Yeah, we started out by talking about how I, uh, I I can't I can't have predicted in the last couple of years how well the stock market's been doing and and you know with PE ratios at an all time high again according to stuff I'm reading I don't really know what I'm talking about half the time when it comes to the stock market what is going on with the stock market Ken and 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 do you see it continuing in the in the same direction it's been going for the last couple of years in this case it's a lot of the same scenarios that is happening in real estate guys it's a lot of liquidity that's been injected into the financial system you know it's it's the federal reserve keeping rates low and also saying we're going to keep it low for the next two years that's just hey yeehaw let's just keep going so when and, and it's interesting because just like you gentlemen look at you know u.s mortgage uh, mortgages outstanding as a precursor to how the real estate market is doing we did the same thing with margin loans for stocks there is more debt right now for people buying stocks on margin than ever. It's at a record pace. It's growing like mad. So, and, and you can borrow money right now. If you're a, a reasonably good size investor, you can borrow money at 3%, 4% and put that into the stock market so that you have that going on. And is the rule still 50%? Well, it's 50% if you wanted to take it all out of the portfolio. But remember, you could take a million-dollar portfolio and turn that into a $2 million portfolio uh, very quickly overnight. And remember, there's no points, no pre-approval. It's instantly on. You're ready to go. Now, that's the good news that helps you on the upside. The bad news, God help you if you buy at the wrong time. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, 
if I remember correctly, during the crash of 29, the whole idea was you could do 10%. Yep. Uh, and that's what killed people because those margin calls, they just, they just had to sell. Well, okay. now this is, this is where it gets interesting, though. A lot of stock investors are moving money into commodities. So mm-hmm. you have that going on right now. In fact, the brokerage houses are promoting it. And that's another thing to bring up about stock investors, Mark, that you're going to see these portfolios kind of realign themselves. People are adding. And I, by the way, I'm talking about wheat, soybeans, mm. copper. I'm not talking about anything wacky here. It's just physical commodities yeah. that people are going to add to their portfolios because they're doing well right now. In fact, commodities, basic indices are outperforming the S&P 500 this year. So it is happening. But stocks move on liquidity. And you're 100% right. There's a lot of companies that are way overpriced. You cannot look at those conventional uh, indicators anymore. My problem is this, is that there are some canaries right now that I think you have to pay attention to. Case in point, Amazon, okay? Amazon has not hit a new high in seven months. So you have some of these top-tier, top-performing companies that are not moving with the herd. And I've always said, look, I'm not saying the herd all has to run at the same rate, but it's all going to move in the same direction. And I'm seeing a lot of companies right now, a lot of the NASDAQ stocks, a lot of stocks down in Silicon Valley, their stocks are not performing well this year. Some of them are down on the year. A lot of healthcare stocks are down on the year. So when you start having what we call a divergence happening within the <laughs> sectors like that, I'm not trying to call a top here, but I think 2021 is going to be a challenging year for stock investors. And then you throw on top of it, like the game shop stuff, yeah. the, the, the AMC stuff. This reminds me of 1999 all over again with pets.com. Yeah. It's That's the same cool. speculative stuff, but it's too much money chasing uh, things it's not investing guys it's well and that's the that's the definition of inflation too much money chasing too few goods so that's exactly uh, that's interesting so so you've got several hundred million dollars of assets under management at your firm ken so so how are you recommending your clients diversify what what kind of ad- advice are you giving your clients well a lot of my clients have a mix of of, of you know the, many of them are older people they're core type investors they're not speculators uh, we have a mix of corporate bonds and um, stocks in their portfolio. And so what we've done now, we should talk about bonds because that's a challenging environment. The bond market's getting killed this year because rates are going back up. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say that the one thing everybody is misunderstanding, the Federal Reserve does not control intermediate and long-term rates. That's, that's driven by market, which, by the way, the other thing to remember, too, the dollar's been very weak. Uh, people talk about Bitcoin. I'm not as worried about Bitcoin as much as I am. The dollar's <laughs> losing value against the yen, the euro, um, the yeah. yuan, the won. And it's because of all this debt we've produced. It's a massive amount of debt. Yeah, they, uh, last time I checked, the uh, uh, euro was uh, like a buck 18 or something. And, you know, it went from like a buck 01. I mean, that's an like 18%. You know, change. In fact, I remember years ago you you were quite the uh, aficionado on preferred stocks. Is that kind of your still your specialty? Well, we do put a lot of preferreds in our income portfolios, and the big reason is they have certain tax breaks. Um, they have what they call as a qualified dividend, which means it's taxed at the capital gains rate. So, if you're a California resident and you're tired of getting hammered on your income plays. Uh, this this works out well for you. But the reason I was bringing up bonds is, again, yet another example of I don't think you can have the bond market heading south and expect the stock market to continue going up infinitum and not expect that to have some problems. 
that I think you're going to see convulsions happen within the stocks this year. You're going to see leadership change. Um, it depends on what the economy does going into the later half of this year. Do we really reopen? Do we really, is it going to get back to normal? Too early to tell. But guys, what I would say is this, keep a very close eye on corporate earnings later this month. And you're going to see whether or not companies have really figured out what they have to do to make it work in this new inflationary post-COVID world. Hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot of companies are going to get caught flat-footed and they're not going to know what to do. Well, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned, uh, going back just for a second on your, uh, you know, the preferred stocks having uh, some tax benefits. Uh, so, you know, Mark Hoff, president of uh, Pacific Private Money, all of his funds qualify for QBID. So for, cool. for, yeah, so for those who uh, are qualified, you know, under 315000 of income, uh, check with your CPA, of course. Uh, you don't have to pay taxes on 100%. You only have to pay uh, taxes on 80%. That's a nice little tax benefit, too. All right, uh, guys, we're going to cut to one more commercial break here. Uh, what is the only bird to be honored with its own year on a Chinese calendar? Where did you get these? <laughs> I just came up with this one. Okay. It is Maurice County, guys. Basically, I guess, what's the, what's the only bird on a Chinese calendar? All right, call 888-912-1190. First caller with correct answers and win that tanning certificate. Also, if you're looking for a romantic uh, getaway near Yosemite, the McCaffrey House Bed and Breakfast is just a place. It's an enchanting mountain lodge nestled in the quiet forest hollow of the High Sierra in Twainheart. Included in your stay is a full hot breakfast, as well as happy hour each evening where wine is served. Make reservation. Go to McCaffreyHouse.com. All right. Stay with us. You are listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff of Pacific Private Money and Ken Winans of Winans International. Third trivia question, what is the only bird to be honored with its own year in a chi- on a Chinese calendar? Uh, okay, it's not a monkey. It's not the year of the rat. <laughs> how, how about an eagle? Everybody else seems to use an eagle. Uh, no, a rooster. Year of the rooster. I know you never really hear about that. You're the cat. You're this. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Ken, what do you think about Bitcoin? Got to ask you about that. Oh, listen, I'll tell you, I've had more people call me about this. And of course, now they do have exchange traded funds that are doing Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you guys know about it. I know Mark's firm is very innovative with this, with blockchain technologies. And I've been saying all along, I think blockchain technology is going to revolutionize real estate. I think it's going to. Yeah. When you look at what it takes to buy a house today versus buying and selling a stock, I mean, we're back into the, the, you know, the, the turn of the last century on yeah. how we, we, we change title. I, I, and I look forward to that. I think all of us would like a little better, a more efficient way to do that. Um, but here's my problem is it seems like every time I'm reading something about hacks here, hacks there, the North Koreans trying to raid purses left and right. My problem is that, look, we can argue about uh, fiat currencies and how much, you know, how much money that various governments are producing. But you do have somebody to go to if money's missing out of your account. You have SIPC insurance in your investment accounts. Mm-hmm. You have FDIC insurance at the banks. My question, and every time I ask this question, I never get a straight answer. If I have a, on PayPal my Bitcoin purse, hey, I actually know these things. 
Yeah. Bitcoin wallet. plus and PayPal or wallet. Yeah. And I go back and I go to open it up and I'm missing money. Who do I go to? Who do I approach to file a claim? And when I, I, I have a one neighbor friend of mine, he's a big guy in tech. He's a very wealthy individual. We were having dinner at his house one night. And of course he was ranting and raving about how Bitcoin's going to change everything. And I said, Hey, question, how much money do you actually have in Bitcoin? He said, Oh, I, I've got 400,000. This guy's worth many, many, many millions of dollars. And I said, well, how much money do you have in your stock account? He says, well, I've got 4 million. I said, that's enough of a testimonial. You just gave me my answer. That's how much confidence you have in this stuff. And you work in tech. So it's early. Uh, I think it will, once they figure out how to insure the wallets, then it's a game changer. But until we do that, uh, I'm still yeah, but, but, on- but it's not backed by anything. I mean, I, I, I could start my own uh, Edward currency and I'm only going to have four billion uh, uh, shillings out there, you know, as, uh, and, but but they're worth a lot. And, and but there's not I'm not going to make any more. I mean, uh, what's it backed by? You know, it, Edward, I call it, you know, you guys know I traded commodities. and I, yeah. I had the privilege. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I lived and worked in Chicago for 18 months, got to go to the commodity pits every day. Best lesson in economics I ever had. And mm-hmm. what I, I see it as a digital commodity. I see Bitcoin as just another commodity out there. That, and so anybody trading commodities probably would be comfortable with it. But, you know, here's the thing. Anybody who does trade currencies, the one, the one caveat I would give them Remember, there is no bottom. You know, corn cannot go below zero. Gold cannot go below zero. The euro can. The yen can. You can keep losing value, devaluation. Mm. Go talk to people in Brazil or, or, uh, sorry, Venezuela or Cuba. Go talk to them on on how currencies just can keep going south and south and south until there's no – I mean, they don't buy anything, but there's no bottom to it. I I, At the end of the day – Wall Street's embraced it. They're clearly trading commodity futures that are trading futures contracts on Bitcoin. I just, for the average person, I would just recommend be careful. That's all I'm trying to say. Be careful. Yeah, I think it's, you know, if if you have a certain percentage of money set aside that you can afford to lose – and that it's, you know, risk capital for you, you know, your entrepreneurial capital, and you think you want to play that a little bit. But, you know, there are some pretty big swings. Even just in the last five days, we've had a nearly $10,000 swing. So if you bought it 62 and all of a sudden it's worth 50, you know, you're not very happy about that. Now it's back up to 58 today. But, um, you know, it is, it, it's been, uh, ever since it had the run up, it's been kind of hovering at that between 50. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't short it when it was 8,000. <laughs> but Edward, you would have put a stop on your position. See, any good commodity guy knows you put a stop on it. That's true. You wouldn't have let it go against you. No. You got so, you know, so with buying corn and all that, can I just go to Safeway and buy a bunch of corn? <laughs> or does it go bad? It, it's, it's a really good question because here's the problem. I mean, I, have, I, mean, I literally have a gentleman out of the Midwest who, who learned about me, and he said, I'm going to give you $2 million just for a commodity portfolio because I know you know what you're doing. Wow. So a, a couple of rules, first off, uh, you know, commodities are not for everybody. Uh, and, you know, you talk about leverage factors. When you do a commodity future, you're actually putting a down payment, a 10% down payment on literally a railroad car of corn. 
So in 90 days, one of two things has to happen. Either you pay for that car and decide what you're going to do with all that corn, or you're trading it to somebody else. So again, this is rock and roll. I mean, this is hardcore. You can lose your equity on a bad swing. So the question, so many people don't want to sign all the scary notices you have to sign for, to open a futures account. So you can buy exchange traded funds for corn or soybeans, but here's the problem. I've been experimenting with them. A, they're not very liquid. I actually am worrying about, this is going to get a little bit in the weeds, the tracking problems, meaning that I look at the futures chart on corn, and I notice that the ETF doesn't act that way that day. Well, there's some days when the corn ETF is up big, but corn hasn't moved. There's things like that that, that are difficult to explain. So yeah. Wall Street's embracing commodities, but I still think it's like Bitcoin. It's still early on what they're going to do with it and how the best way to approach it. But I I will tell you, if you want the historical lesson, here it is. If we do have a redo of the 70s, from 1970 to 1979, the Dow Industrial Average went up a whopping 2.4%. Well, you had 74, 75, which were... Yeah, disasters. But, but, But if you traded it, you made money. Housing did great in the 70s, right up until the time they raised rates. And then we all know what happened to housing in the late 70s. It blew up. What really made money was commodities. Commodities had these huge runs. That's when they did. If you remember um, some of those TV shows they had back in the 70s talking about J.R. Ewing, it was all about oil, Oil, the oil boom. And these guys were making big money. Well, oil is a commodity and they made big money in oil. So I, I think that people do need to think about how to add it to their portfolio but you're going to have to really do some soul searching on how you best want to do it. Speaking um, of oil, um, yeah. are you tracking that and what's happening oh, in the yeah. right now? Oh, yeah. No, oil's an, uh, another commodity, Mark. And, and certainly you can buy oil ETFs or oil. Oil is probably now, I know with all the talk about climate change and that we've topped out on oil production. Look, the simple reality of it is actually, I'm going to throw oil and natural gas together if that'd be okay with you guys, because I think you have to look at them together. Um, I know I'm probably going to get hate mail from local listeners, but what the reality of it is, probably for the remainder of our lives, we will be using some form of fossil fuels. I think certainly natural gas. Uh, If you think for a moment that your home, that we're all going to have, you know, solar panels, and that will be enough to power homes. I just don't think that's the case. Um, You're going to have to use natural gas. Now, the good news is it is cleaner burning. It's, It's an ample supply and all that. But I do think that the, the trend is on it going up. And now here's where it gets tough. Is it going to go up because demand's going to increase for it? Or is it going up because we're looking at a situation where it's just general inflation and it's going up with all the commodities? All right, stay with us. Best of Investing will be back with some closing comments. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hahn for Pacific Private Money and our special guest, Ken Winans of Winans International. Uh, Ken, you've got all kinds of great stuff to uh, teach the audience. How do people get a hold of you if they want more information? 
Well, best thing is go on our website, which is uh, Winans, W-I-N-A-N-S, investments.com, and that will lead you to my Forbes articles, or you can buy my books on Amazon.com. They're available there. Uh, and certainly our website has a lot of really good information. If you're curious about our track record, you can certainly use Morningstar reports to look at the, at the you know, the, the uh, different types of portfolios that we manage. And certainly we'd love to help people. At least we're, we're, you know, we don't give hard sales pitches. Not everything works for everybody, but we'll certainly guide them where they need to go if we can help them. No, really, really appreciate it. So, hey, Mark, uh, an uh, email comes in from a listener. It says, how can your freedom fund be so liquid so as to redeem investors without a one-year hold period? Ah, so we have four real estate-backed funds at Pacific Private Money, three of which are still open for additional investments. And the Freedom Fund is one of the newer funds we started uh, roughly a year ago that we use the capital in that fund that we raised, which is now up to about $20 million. Uh, just hit, hit that uh, number this week. We use that like a warehouse line of credit to close loans that we intend to sell to third parties. Uh, and that's what a warehouse line of credit really is. And, and mortgage banks like us often use a warehouse line from a bank uh, and maybe pay 5% for that. Uh, and they close loans, and then they sell them to third parties like institutional buyers. The reason we don't use a bank is that because we're a private money lender, not a lot of banks like to make loans to us. And quite frankly, the, the approval process and the cost of those loans is not as inexpensive as it might seem, even if the, the note rate's 5%. So we have found it to be really easy to raise money in a traditional mortgage pool syndication uh, and uh, because we've got a lot of clients who like to park money. And what makes the Freedom Fund kind of unique is that many of our clients are real estate investors uh, or sellers of businesses or large stock portfolios. And they're from now and again sitting on, you know, 500000 a million, a couple of million dollars, and they don't want to tie it up for long term because most traditional uh, private placements require at least a one-year hold. Uh, and in fact, our uh, syndication documents for the Freedom Fund actually say that uh, you agree to keep it in for a minimum of 12 months. But here's the, here's the uh, kicker. We don't have a, pre, uh, a prepayment charge written in our documents. So it's silent to any prepayment penalty. So if you request the money, we can give it back to you and there's no charge. So we, we basically are, are representing uh, to our clients in the, who invest in the Freedom Fund that because we use your money to close loans that we sell twice per month. In other words, we turn the money over twice. Every, every two weeks, we sell a tranche of loans between five and $10 million to our institutional buyers. We're liquid throughout the month. Therefore, if someone needs their money, we tell people that we give them, we say we can redeem your money within 30 days, but realistically it could be as, as soon as a week to two weeks. So it's, it's, it's a fund that's designed to be liquid we're using it to, uh, to close loans and bank loans that are going to come off the portfolio quickly. And that's how we're able to pay. And, and the 7% is a random number that we just picked that we wanted to incentivize people to invest with us. Uh, and we make money with that money. And not a tremendous amount, but it's <coughs> for us to grow our origination business. And it's a very exciting fund. And for more information, go to PacificPrivateMoney.com or call us at 415-883-2150. And we'll send you a prospectus and an executive summary of how it works. Very good. And again, thanks, uh, Ken Winans, uh, for joining us on The Best of Investing. Just yeah. like old times, 10 years. Holy smokes. All right. All right. If you guys are ready, here's our, here's our thoughts for the day. When everything seems to go against you, remember that the airplane takes off against the wind, not with it, said Henry Ford. 
And a man who runs behind a car will get exhausted, but a man who runs in front of a car will get tired. <laughs> Thought you'd like that. All right. Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on 860 AM. The answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast.